Hi, I am Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! Jeremy and I both struggled with social anxiety and mental health overall. Now we both work to improve our own mental health and the mental health of others by sharing what we did to help our social anxiety and what we learn and continue to do to improve upon our own mental health. What we share is what we learn from our own experiences. We are not mental health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. You know how much, how much fewer trolls we'd have on the internet. People got over their bullying. So many less. And people don't realize, like people take it personally. People are like, oh, this person's being mean to me. It's because of me and I'm a, I'm, I, I suck and I'm horrible. And I wish I was a better human being, but it has nothing to do with them. But what if what you're saying to yourself is actually also true? <laughs> just unrelated, but I mean, it doesn't disprove it. I just wanna. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's not that it sounds true, but they are just like thoughts. We always talk about I, like. I, I, I'm with you, man. I had social anxiety. I was bullied, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm 100% with what you're saying. Okay, cool, cool. I'll see. Awesome. So on that note, we're the social ninjas. I saw Kyle like, oh, excited. <laughs> I was about to jump in. I know. Let's take over. Guys. I was like the adult in the room, right? Yeah, he totally is. That's why we, we, work, we work really well together. I'm like the... Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I keep it playful. He keeps it, you know, structured. So it's good. Perfect. Go ahead. Right, You're Dad. taking it away. Oh, I was going to let you have it. All right. We have a special guest. That was guest. the crappiest start of a podcast I've ever seen. You know what? You know what's the journey? Okay. Not the destination, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we're the social ninjas podcast i'm just gonna keep it whatever all right so we're we have a this is a new episode thanks for tuning in if you're listening you're amazing if you're not listening i love you as well um we have a special guest we have oh forgot i have a co-host kyle what's up kyle what is up i'm glad to not be uh gone and forgotten <laughs> kyle 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 <laughs> sounds over overcompensating maybe we have a special guest dave Astry. what's up dave what's up jeremy <laughs> you guys are super dorks you know that <laughs> oh thank you dave i, I mean I've, we've just been chatting for a few minutes before starting the show and i am i'm really impressed i mean it takes work to achieve what you've achieved really? on the level of dorkiness i mean oh, yeah I, and you. i'm coming from a fellow dork i'm just like compliments <laughs> <laughs> so for human beings who don't know who dave asprey is and they're wondering they're listening like who's dave asprey can you tell us a little about who dave asprey is and what you do um, I'm probably best known for being the founder of Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, people call me the father of biohacking because I started the biohacking movement around this idea that it's desirable to take control of your own biology so your body will do what you want and your mind. I used to weigh 300 pounds. I weigh about 200 pounds. People have lost a million pounds on my diet. I've written several New York Times bestsellers, including like monthly science list bestsellers sandwiched between Homo Deuce and Sapiens which was a highlight of my authoring. And generally, millions of people follow what I do to become better, more powerful, more functional human beings. Oh, and to live to at least 180, stuff like that. <laughs> at least, at least. Yeah, no, no ceilings here. No ceilings. I'm kind of just getting into it real quick. What is, what, uh, tell us about the beginning. Like what inspired you to want to figure it out and biohack? Well, when I was a kid, I was obese. I had arthritis in my knees when I was 14. Uh, I got bullied a lot. Uh, I had Asperger's syndrome. Uh, I had OCD and ODD, uh, opposite uh, oppositional defiant disorder. I think I probably still have that. Uh, it may actually be good for you. <laughs> I don't really have that, I don't think. But, um, and all of that, I had a really successful early run in my career in Silicon Valley. I made $6 million when I was 26. I lost $6 million when I was 28, oops. <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> Oopsies. When I was 23, I sold the first thing that was ever sold over the internet. It was a t-shirt that said caffeine, my drug of choice. And when people say, Dave, you weren't actually 300 pounds. I'm like, you want to see my picture from Entrepreneur Magazine when I was 23? Because I'm pretty much a fat ass. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess you're not lying. And uh, so I've, I've had this amazing career in Silicon Valley. And I decided after three knee surgeries that I was, was going to lose the weight no matter what it took. So I did what's supposed to work. Six days a week, hour and a half a day, half weights, half cardio, low fat, low calorie diet for 18 months. 
end of it, still have a size 46 inch waist, still weigh 300 pounds, can max out all the machines. And I decided sitting at a Carl's Jr. with my friends, I was eating the chicken salad with no chicken and no dressing. And they're eating double Western bacon cheeseburgers. I'm like, they all eat way more than I do and they don't work out and they're all thin. Therefore I'm eating too much lettuce. And I'm not talking <laughs> eating disorder. I'm just talking sincere desires. Like I can't be fat anymore. I, I don't yeah. like it that my brain is thought is not working the way I want. Got it. Yeah. So I went down this path of learning about my biology and figuring out the stuff that wasn't in the books or was in old books. I went to Tibet to learn meditation from the masters. I did ayahuasca in the Andes years before anyone could spell ayahuasca. In fact, I went down there in the guest house where I was saying, they're like, I still can't um, spell it. I'm just being honest. <laughs> me either. They're like, they're like, Dave, you're white. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, but ayahuasca is like for local people, you'll throw up, you'll hate it. Like, don't go do that. And I said, no, I want to. And, and I did. So I basically explored the world of personal development because I'd been in a bad relationship that I exited and I made a bunch of mistakes. You know, you make a, a life's fortune and you lose it. Um, you know, you get well known for selling something over the internet before Jeff Bezos, yet you don't really do anything but get tired of sending t-shirts out of your dorm room, so you shut it down. Uh, so I made a lot of mistakes and realized I could learn from people three times my age. And uh, eventually I got tired of tech and I started a blog to, to tell people what I wish someone had told me when I was 19. And you know, what is the, that, Dave? Um, man, there's a lot, but... <laughs> It comes down to this. It's that what happens up here is a direct result of what happens in the cells in your body. So if your body is broken, then it's very hard to improve yourself. And if you fix your biology, you still have work to do. It's heavy lifting, this personal development stuff. And eventually I'm like, I'm lazy and I have a job and now I have kids. So I started a neuroscience company and we do neurofeedback to replace decades of meditation and personal development work in five days of really, really heavy lifting. So I spent four months of my life with electrodes on my head. And now I spend very little um, wasted energy in my brain. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the stuff that used to be scary that shouldn't have been. I understand where the patterns that drive our behavior come from. And I just wrote a book about fasting that's coming out. And I found a, a paper that says 15% of the thoughts in the average person's head every day are about what's for lunch, what's for dinner, it's about your next meal. So I cleared that on my head too. I know I have all this extra space in there. God knows what I'm going to do with it, but I'm still working on that. But I believe this is our birthright is to have a brain that does what you want, a body that does what you want, and that you should live a lot longer than mother nature wants you to. 180. Uh, well, 180 is the minimum. So. <laughs> and is everyone's brain different? Like, Oh yeah. I mean, I thinking. we've had more than, more than a thousand people come through this neuroscience facility and Man, 90% of people have some sign of hitting their head at some point in their life. And a lot of them don't remember it. It's like, oh, yeah, when I was three, I was unconscious for two days. Or, oh, yeah, I got in this car accident. But we see signs of it electrically. And then you can teach the brain to round around it, but it changes your personality, right? So there's that part of it. And then there's also just some people have high levels of, of brain waves in a certain part of the brain that if you, if you do what traditional neuroscience does to cure people, like let's look at what 10,000 people's average brain looks like, and that's perfect. But- if you take music and you average out all of the music to, to make a song everyone will like, no one likes that song. So the deal is to figure out what an individual brain's superpowers are and where it's weak and then amplify the superpowers and not focus on the weaknesses, but just like patch them over a little bit. So we're not going to ever, I don't think, be able to take someone who's you know, really strong as an artist and very weak in math and turn them into the world's best mathematician. Like you don't, it's not in there, but there's a lot that you can turn on in someone's brain, but all brains are different and you've got to be really custom about the way you do it. So, so going back on um, what you said just a few minutes ago, you said that you have so much more, what was it? Brain energy, so much more space. You're not worrying about or scared of things that you don't need to be. How do you get to that point? Uh, it seems like a really intriguing topic. Yeah. All right, I'm going to walk you through the algorithm for all life on earth. And this is why we do what we do. So this doesn't matter if you're a single cell bacteria, if you're a zebra, um, you know, a tree, it, it doesn't matter. This is what you do at the very basic level. And the way I came about this is I studied artificial intelligence in my undergrad, and I taught people how to build these complex internet systems early in my career. And so this was a gentle awareness when I studied biochemistry. Biochemistry, I'm like, wait a minute. So 
a bacteria doesn't have a brain. It has very few things it can do. And it has to be able to do only the minimum necessary. So the simplest form of life. Step one, run away from, kill, or hide from scary things. So this is fear. And you put 10 times more energy into fear than it deserves because it might be dangerous and you're, you're not very good at determining what's dangerous and what's not. And this is the, the automated system that will pull your hand away from a hot stove before you realize it's hot. Because if you ever say, oh, good thing I pulled my hand away, you didn't pull your hand away. You didn't decide to do that. Some other system decided to do that that's still in there and active right now. And if that's fear, the second thing that all life has to do is eat. So eat everything, right? And you do that because famines kill a lot of people. So we have food, we have fear. And there's one more F word that all life has to do to make sure it stays around on the planet. Can you guess which one that is? It's a word, not sign language. Is it F-U-C-K? Oh, man, dude. I, I was actually going for fertility. But if you want to just like go for the, the porn version of that, man. I, I, I'm not judging out loud. Oh, no, I am judging out loud. Oh, my God. Fornication. How about fornication? There you go. That, that works. I was trying to make you say the F word. I'm just messing with you. I was waiting. <laughs> I had a feeling. All right. So, and that gets three times more energy than it really deserves because your cells believe that if you don't have sex as often as possible, that the species will die. And they're feeding you that constant anxiety. So now let me ask you guys this. Have you ever done anything you're ashamed of that didn't come from those three behaviors? No. Kyle's Hopefully looking not. like you might have. I've, I I've, been, been, I've done all three that I'm ashamed of. <laughs> But I mean, but it, it's like every, every human behavior we do that we wish we didn't learn. I shouldn't have gone on that date. I knew it, but I did it because yeah. you know, legs, you know, and then I shouldn't eaten the entire pizza, but I did, even though I told myself I wouldn't. And, you know, I should have, I should ask that girl out or I should have, you know, taken the job interview or, you know, I, I shouldn't have shied away or procrastination, all kinds of stuff. It's all about those three things because they get more attention than the fourth F word. Uh, which is friend. And all life does this. You, get, you put yogurt together, uh, so you get bacteria together, you get yogurt, you get kombucha, you get a forest, you get a herd, and you get a tribe of humans who protect each other and help each other and all that. So we're wired inside ourselves without ever thinking one thought to do this, <laughs> which is remarkably oh, cool. Cool. That's right? cool. That's cool. And, and that's the model. So for me, to answer your question, how did I make all that space mad? Well, number one, I don't think about food because I learned how to do fasting. Right. And I learned how to train my cells to just wait for food without being stressed because I don't eat six times a day the way I did when I was fat because we just have really bad information. I learned what to eat, what not to eat, when not to eat. And magically, you get 15% of your thoughts back and probably up to 50% if you're fat like I was. And then dealing with fear is a major thing. And I've, I've done all kinds of personal development practices, but uh, the one that works the best is actually uh, forgiveness. So, I do forgiveness with electrodes on my head and the equivalent of a lie detector showing me that I actually really truly forgave someone instead of saying it. You don't have to tell them you forgive them. You just, in your own mind, you just reset the pattern because your little fear filters, they're set when you're a kid. You know, they're set by parenting, by bullies, by weird little things that shouldn't even matter that you probably don't even remember, but it's just your cells trying to figure out, is that dangerous or is that not dangerous? And they decide if it's dangerous before you can think about it. So you feel the fear and then you decide it must be dangerous or you just react and you get defensive, right? And this is a primary driver of why people act like jerks to each other is that fear pattern matching system. So I went through and there's a technique um, with neurofeedback where you can reset the pattern so it's not triggered. What they normally teach you in personal development and in, in a therapist's office is, well, feel the feelings, let them flow through you and just don't be reactive. Just understand it'll pass. And I've done all that. The problem is it takes electrons. It takes energy to feel all those damn feelings that are not matched on reality. They're matched on a bad model of reality. And so I went through and I edited all my patterns. Well, at least all the ones I could find. There's probably a few left. And what you end up with there is this huge amount of mental space to do stuff because you're actually acting on reality instead of on this fear-based picture of reality. And then the third F word, sex, <laughs> many fasting book, I actually talk about fasting from masturbation, fasting from porn, and teaching yourself that, you know what, if I don't ejaculate, I'm not going to die. Because every guy on earth has reached the point where if I don't come right now, I'm going to die. <laughs> it's never true, but dang, it feels true. <laughs> Kyle's looking like he's in that space right now. Is that true, Kyle? 
Uh, wow, put me on the spot. <laughs> Hopefully mom isn't listening to this one. He's blushing, isn't he? <laughs> yes. He's turning into the our logo, social engines. Like, look at that. No, I didn't ask color grading on your sure. show. <laughs> but but like those are those are the things, man. You master those and you've got it. And for women, the rules around uh, ejaculation are a little bit different. Uh, and I write about some of that in the book. It's a small part of, of Fastest Way. But uh, I decided it was time to write a book saying, all right, like, let's get in charge of the easiest to hack voice in your head, which is that I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm going to die if I don't eat, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, you know, eat everything. That, that frees up so much energy. And at the same time, if you eat the right stuff and you do fasting, you actually make more energy. So you're like, I wasted less and I made more. And, and then like, I have like 30, 40% more energy. And people have for 10 years since I started writing about this stuff, like Dave, I got a new job. I got a $30,000 raise. I started a company. And it's because you lowered waste and you increased power. And it's that easy. So are you saying, are you saying no more masturbation? No uh, more I didn't say that. Uh, I just said no more ejaculation. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that either. <laughs> that's worse. Uh, what, uh, there's an equation for guys uh, that I talk about, and it's from the, the practice of Taoism. And it's age in years minus seven divided by four. So do the math. What number does that say? Kyle's a math guy. How old are you? I'm 25. Uh, so we'll start with 35. So age in years minus seven. So 35 minus seven is basically 28. 28, yeah. And divided by four, seven. So what that seven. says is don't ejaculate more than once a week. Oh. Now, here's the secret. Uh, at least if you have a partner, if you don't ejaculate more than once a week, you're going to have a lot more sex and a lot more oxytocin. You're going to live a lot longer. But they were actually trying to make people live forever. And the practice of just saying, all right, even just for a month, Either I'm not going to ejaculate at all, or I'm just not going uh, to ejaculate more than that amount of time. It's called sublimation. It's been written about in every spiritual practice. Napoleon Hill wrote about it. And for guys, it's a part of personal development. It's like you got to be in charge of that urge. You got to be in charge of your hunger, and you got to be in charge of your fear. And if you do that, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff you never thought was possible. You look like you're having fun there, Jeremy. Are you looking at porn again? <laughs> I'm taking notes. Age <laughs> minus seven divided by five. <laughs> it's all on my blog. I, it's in the book, so I can't okay. this. I like notes. This makes it uh, yeah. fun. It's totally I mean, cool. Um, I, I'm curious to go back to all right, therapists and you know the modern ways of you feel it, and it takes a lot of energy. Said so, like, what's some like basic ways that we can reprogram our brains? Well, probably the, the lowest hanging fruit, especially if you've been bullied or you know about a, spe a specific trauma, it can be, you know, bad parents and it can be, you know, really serious traumas, you know, like injuries or, or abuse, whatever it is. But there's a practice called EMDR that therapists will do. And it turns out there's a reset mode where you move your eyes back and forth, left to right, in a certain pattern with the therapist. It's not hypnotism. And all of a sudden, you like snap into this weird state where you can go in and reset your trauma patterns. And it works. You I'm so it? hyped. I'm literally about to do that. Um, um, you know, you know, Amen, Amen facilities? Oh, yeah, um, I, he's, a, he's a dear friend. Um, he, saved my, he saved my career when I was like 27 uh, without knowing it. Uh, but wow. about 20 years ago, when his, his first book came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm failing at Wharton, but it's because my brain is broken, not because I'm just stupid. I'm like, I don't think I'm dumb, but I, I'm clearly dumb because these other people seem to understand all this crap and my brain was just fried. I had uh, toxins. Brain brain it, it really did change my life. And I, he's been on my show many times and uh, I just have so much appreciation. I mean, that guy took so many hits. He was right the whole time. And uh, he just took so many hits from his profession and he nailed it. And now he's, I think, uh, way more, way more lauded for his work. That's beautiful. Yeah, we had his uh, wife on, and I'm gonna do like a fun little vlog experience where I'm gonna do the whole brain scan. You know, everything you uh, talked about. It's gonna change your life, man. It's a really big deal because all of the things you're like, you know, your inner voice, what he calls automatic negative thoughts, like, oh, it, it's you know, some kind of inner fault. It's not. It's just hardware problems, and they're hackable. Once you hack your hardware, like. I got to fix my software, right? Then it's your emotions and it's, it's what you think about the world. Then it's your emotions. And then there's the spiritual stuff to work on as well. But that's the path. And that's always been the path. And, you know, it, it, 
it helps a lot to uh, to have a, a biology that works and makes enough energy to walk the path. And for me, that was my core problem. When you get really fat like that, your body's making inflammation instead of energy. So uh, I want to talk more about the, the fear side. I mean, I know Jeremy right. and I both have struggled and still struggle from time to time with anxiety, social anxiety. I know a lot of people listening are. How, what what would be like the first step in sort of kind of um, <laughs> hacking kind of that anxiety side and because I, I mean it's kind of hard to like you said you kind of start worrying about things yeah. that you don't really need to worry about and anxiety just kind of goes out of control. So Kyle, when I was 27, I realized I didn't understand the way people interacted whatsoever, and I was I definitely had social anxiety. So every Thursday night for about a year and a half, I'd go to a place on the Stanford University campus near where I worked. And uh, it, was, it was called the Stanford Barn. And there was this little business networking thing. And I would like stand in the corner and like this fat computer hacker and like a hacker t-shirt. And I just like watch people like an anthropologist <laughs> until I, I like figured out the dance and actually learned how to, how to do it. Practice makes perfect, right? And... I've made it a habit in my life, if I know something scares me, to just go do it relentlessly until I drop the fear, right? And just realize, yeah, okay, it's okay to be scared. I'm probably not gonna die, right? And what anxiety really is, it's a feeling that you're gonna die. But if you know it's not true, then you're like, all right, I'm just gonna like see what that feeling is like. And, and it's actually terror. And one of the things that, that I discovered was I had social anxiety, but I was also actually more afraid of being alone. And I didn't realize this because it's not a, a fear that, that you think about. You, in fact, you never think about fear, right? Fear is a feeling. And usually the feeling happens and then you're like, I'll make up a reason for the feeling because there must be a reason for it. So we have this weird reverse logic, right? So I was afraid of being alone, which means that I would uh, be in bad relationships. I'd basically do anything not be alone. So I hired a shaman to drop me off in a cave in the desert with no one around. <laughs> For, for 10 miles in any direction for four days with no food because I was also afraid of being hungry, right? And I sat there for four days and there was nothing I could do about it, right? Except for feel about it and think about it and do the work. And that's actually what Fast This Way is based on the story of doing that along with all the practices and science and things you can do and all that. But that's, that's one of the paths. It's you know exposure therapy. Like, all right, I'm afraid. That's what I did. Did you? Oh yeah, I did yeah, like same. free hugs around the world. I like interviewed celebrities on the red carpet because it scared me. Yeah, you got to do the things that scare you because if they scare you, there's gold there. And if they, they don't scare you at all, then what's the point of it, right? They're not areas for growth. And the, the secret to that automated system I talked about with the four Fs that runs you, <laughs> it knows that if it's not running you, you might do something stupid and die. So it will fight to stay in charge and it will fight for its perceived right to make you feel afraid for no reason because it might be safe. <laughs> and your job is to be like, sit in your place, bitch. It, it, basically that's mastering the ego right there. I truly believe that ego is an emergent phenomena from subcellular mitochondria networks making decisions based on that algorithm because it matches every single thing humans do that's stupid. <laughs> every single one of them. Yes. Oh, I, I, I know I resonate with that a lot. I, I'll never forget, like I was in Australia and I was doing my like solo traveling around Asia because it scared me. And then I remember I was- Yeah, I did the same thing. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Freaking out. I'm going to oh, Cambodia yeah. tomorrow. It's going to be scary when this and that. And I went, it was like the highlight of my life. Exact same experience here when I was maybe 30, 30, 32 probably. Yeah, I traveled for months around Asia, no agenda, went to Mount Kailash, had yak butter tea, which became the, the spark that created Bulletproof Coffee. But I had no idea where I was going. And yeah, I was scared shitless. I'm like, what if there's no people here who, you know, like, what if no one will talk to me? All the weird voices in your head. And, you know, I had a good time. It's life changing. the same ones. Here's the problem, though. With all this pandemic fear with a capital F word, um, I don't know how people are going to be able to do that for the next couple of years. And it's, it's a really important part of becoming a highly functioning human is, is traveling the world and seeing other people in other cultures. And, you know, if everyone's hiding and borders are closed, it's going to be a lot harder, but um, I, I hope we return to normalcy very quickly for that reason. I hope so as well. I, I've noticed uh, traveling, there was a lot less people from the USA for some reason. There's always people from like Europe and other parts of the world. 
Well, when I was in Nepal, the Maoists had taken over 80% of the country and said Americans go home and the Red Cross left. So I just got some Canadian currency and put a Canadian flag on my backpack and pretended to be Canadian. Oh, <laughs> I literally had this chat yesterday. This girl's like, I, I moved to Australia from USA and uh, I literally put a Canadian flag on my backpack. Why, hello, fellow ninjas. This is Kyle. I wanted to take a really quick break from the show to talk to you about this new CBD oil I've been trying. So if you're like me, since this pandemic started, I have added a decent amount of extra stress and anxiety into my life. So I've been trying to, you know, help my first grade daughter with e-learning, taking my two younger kids to and from preschool, all while trying to work from home and trying to manage all these schedules all together and make sure everything aligns perfectly. It can be overwhelming. So what I started doing is I started taking this CBD oil from New Aura to help ease and give any relief to anxiety that I may face during the day. And to my surprise, it works. I've tried several different CBD products in the past from many companies, but New Aura is the best I have ever tried. On days I feel I may need it, I put half a teaspoon in with my coffee, and it helps me a lot. What's even better is that you can use it for sleep, which is probably my favorite part. I take it every night before bed, and I sleep like a baby. I mean, it is now part of my new nighttime routine. So I want to be sure that you guys know that it's not intended to be a cure for anxiety. This is just a supplement, something that could possibly provide some relief to you. So I wanted to share this information with you guys because I think it might be helpful to you as well. So if you want to try Nuara's CBD oil, and uh, Nuara is spelled new A-U-R-A, by the way, you can do so by going to thesocialninjaspodcast.com slash C-B-D and use the code NINJAS to get two bottles for the price of one. So make sure you guys go to thesocialninjas.com slash C-B-D and use that code NINJAS and you get two bottles for the price of one, which is an amazing deal. So make sure you guys go check it out. I will let you guys get back to the show. Yep, you know what's funny? I, uh, I actually should be getting my Canadian citizenship in another few months here. I've lived in Canada for 10 years now. I wouldn't have predicted it 20 years ago, but that's where I ended up. I like Canada. And the the whole idea though is that when you're traveling like people want to help and and that's the the cure i think for social anxiety is that when people see that you're alone it triggers their mirror neurons and then they feel alone and they want to take care of you and so true it's like yeah. you ask for help they'll give you help and it's the same thing with hunger and i've i, I fast regularly and i'm like look it's not time for me to eat so i'll sit at a meal with people and they're eating and i'll just not eat because i like i don't want to eat and they're like, oh, he must be hungry. And then they feel my hunger, right? And then they're like, oh my God, what can we do to feed you? And then like, try to force food on me. I'm like, dude, it's not, I'm not hungry. Like you're, you think I'm hungry, but I'm not hungry. And they're like, but if you don't eat, you'll die. I'm like, no, that's your programming. Cause you can go three months without eating. I can't even go three months without sleeping. So like, do you want to sleep with me? That line hasn't worked yet. But listen, <laughs> I just made it up. That'd be a great line though, wouldn't it? I, I'm gonna, ah, oh, well, I'm going to stay married. So I guess I can't try that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang, that is smooth. <sighs> Good. <laughs> but it's true. Like, and it's one of my most special experiences traveling, or I'm like traveling in the middle of nowhere in, in, in Taiwan, cycling, and I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And like the villagers are like, sit down, here's some food, here's some water, take some food to go. Thanks so much. And I'm like trying to give them money and they won't take it. Or I'm in Vietnam and I break my leg and like, Lo locals come out of nowhere to like take care of everything they paid for like the yeah. motor bike to be fixed it was broken because i fell and broke my leg and they took me to the hospital this guy took me into his hostel and let me stay there for free and fed me breakfast lunch and dinner it it Humble. totally refreshes your belief in the goodness of humans to travel oh, uh, yes and i mean i still remember being in cambodia and i was there before you were um probably by <laughs> 10 plus years right and there were people there who were relatively young and they saw their parents murdered. I mean, the Khmer Rouge had, had just Awful. done everything possible to destroy the society. 
And on average, these people who their average income was a dollar a day, they were happier than a lot of the people I knew in Silicon Valley. <laughs> and it was such a wake up call for me. I'm like, whoa, I already knew that money didn't make you happy because I already made and lost $6 million. And when I had $6 million, I'm like, I'll be happy when I have 10. Like, that's a bad place to be. And um, just to see that and just to see, you know, happiness doesn't come from anything physical was a really big learning for me. Wow. So what's, what does happiness come from? It's an internal state. It doesn't come from anything. And when you look at the, the practices of meditation and, and the stuff that one of my companies has studied from the neuroscience perspective, there's like the first step of, of kind of opening up is empathy and you can you know, feel empathy for other people, right? You, you actually feel their pain and then you like want to do something about it. And then the next step is compassion where you're aware of others' pain, right? And you have a desire to help, but you also don't like, you don't actually have to feel it, but you're aware of it. So you have compassion for the world. And the hardest state is actually equanimity, right? And equanimity is a state where you can be the calm in the middle of the storm. And it doesn't matter what's happening outside of you. You can maintain that state of happiness and you can feel compassion if you want to. You can feel empathy if you want to, but you don't have to lose your, I don't know, can I say shit on your show? Oh, yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. You're going to have to bleep it otherwise, but yeah, without losing your shit. So, you know, if if you can meditate in the middle of a hurricane, all right, then you've achieved equanimity and you can meditate when people are, you know, losing their shit all around you and you don't lose yours. We need a lot more of that right now. And when I was in Nepal at a monastery learning meditation, when I went to Tibet, to these remote monasteries that are far off the beaten path, you'd see these like maybe seven, eight-year-old monks, you know, heads are shaved, they're wearing the, the orange robes, and they're sitting down on the ground, and there's a circle of eight older boys all around them, basically yelling at them while arguing about probably, I don't know if I speak Tibetan, so like some sort of spiritual stuff or whatever, but they're like, they'd make a point and they'd, they'd do this motion you know, like kind of aggressive posturing and they're all around and the kid on the ground is like, blah, 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 blah. And they're actually teaching them to be calm and to have their brain working, even though there's like eight kids around you, bigger than you, making aggressive gestures, all yelling their arguments against whatever you're saying. And the kids are learning already to just have that inner peace. And that's what we're losing. So right now you watch the news, you go to social media and people are like, ah, and they lose it. And, and they're like easily programmed. You don't have to be that way. Oh, so good. I did the 10-day meditation retreat with Essen Guenka. Oh, nice. Was it silent the whole time? You did a Vipassana? I did Vipassana, yeah, silent. Nice. Oh, my God. Uh, I was so satisfied. And it's funny, I'm, all this stuff you're bringing up, it all makes sense now. I remember after the, the retreat, I went to this pool, and this gorgeous girl came on to me, and she's like, let's hang out sometime, this, this, and that. I wasn't interested at all. <laughs> like, she's like, are you joking me? Like, I'm hot. Like, why isn't, why isn't he down? But I was just so satisfied. Yep. You, uh, you realize the urges weren't in charge. And that said, good sex is an anti-aging drug. You know, I, I highly <laughs> recommend it. I just think that you got to be more conscious about it, right? It can be addictive or it can be a spiritual experience. And, you know, at, at that point, you just have to, you have to yeah. decide whether she was going to be a spiritual experience for you that night. Oh, yeah. No, I, I didn't like her. I didn't like her personality. I didn't see anything long-term coming from it. So I was just kind of like, meh. Yeah, You're like not for me. And, and that's a super healthy place to be, right? Very... Otherwise, I'm going to die if I don't have the third F word, then God knows what decisions you'll make, but probably not the best ones for you. It goes for men and women together, right? Yes. So I'm curious, um, do you do any morning or evening routines? I have this one meditation that works really, really well, and it's helped me get over bullying. So I take these like three really deep breaths, and then I, I meditate on the blood of my enemies. And it, it works so really well. What? <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking. He's just even paying attention. He's <laughs> so trying to keep a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Sorry. Uh, no, I don't actually do that. <laughs> All right. That is a clip worthy of Instagram if there ever was one. My God. That was too good. All right. Uh, so, what do I actually do? Um, it changes a lot. So before I had kids, I'm like, I've got this. Okay. I'm going to wake up at, you know, five, five thirty, and I'll like make some green tea because I'm going to have my coffee after I meditate. And then I'll do, you know, 
20 minutes of art of living, breathing exercises. And I, I did this. I did those for like five years, right? And then I'll do some like shamanic meditation stuff. And then I'll do a little bit of yoga, right? And then I'll, you know, make my coffee using a Japanese little siphon thing that takes 10 minutes. And if you stir the coffee just right, it makes a little volcano thing. And it's an act of meditation in and of itself. What? Oh, it's awesome. Right. And then I had kids and you're like, no matter what time you wake up, they have little radar systems to know that you're awake because they want attention. So like, you can't meditate. Right. And my kids are now 11 and 13. So I'm just now getting to the point where I can have a morning meditation or a morning practice, except I got to drop them at school half the time or probably more than half the time, depending on whatever my wife is doing. We kind of trade off. So the stages of life, it really matters. But if you're in a parenting role, you're pretty much screwed on your morning meditation. Right. Is that like because like, is that two guys or what? To me, I don't know which, really I don't know which side right he's on, on your screen. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> no, Kyle has three kids. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So you know what I'm talking about, right, Kyle? Yes, sir. Keep talking. Yep. Tell me how to do this. <laughs> well, on, on that one, it, it's probably going to be about leaving the house. And it's going to be about making a deal with your partner. It says, hey, um, you know, I need, to, I need to go do this. But you don't have to do it every morning, right? So then what you do um, is probably go to a yoga class that has lots of breathing and meditation or go to a specific meditation class and just get the heck out of there because you're not going to do it at home, right? And, and this is something they don't talk about for parents. So, so I would say do as much of that morning practice stuff as you can um, before you have kids because you'll be a better parent anyway. And then when you've got the kids, focus a lot on gratitude, and you can do it with your kids. I've been doing it with mine. It's like every night. And it's like this. I was like, I do it. Nice. Well, here's what I've been doing for, I guess, geez, 13 years now. Well, not the first year. But it's three things you're grateful for that happened today. One thing that you failed at. And failure means something you worked on and that you didn't achieve. Right? And then if, if the kids say whatever it was, you're like, good job. You did something challenging and you're learning. And if they're like, daddy, I didn't fail at anything today. I go, Oh, I hope tomorrow can be a better day. Right? <laughs> wow. I love that so much. <laughs> Cause I don't want them to have fear of failure. Like, do you know yeah. how big of a fear that is? Right. It's such a, such a, uh, yes. Fear. From like, getting bullied really, really yeah. badly. I know that fear. <laughs> we all know it. By the way, most of the entrepreneurs I've taken through 40 years of Zen were bullied. And they're like, oh my God, I'm running my big company now to prove I'm good enough to the bully in seventh grade. And then you drop that and you're like, instead I'm doing my company for the good of, you know, bringing new stuff into the world or for whatever purpose you have. And so being pulled towards something is less work than running from failure, but you can succeed from either one. Just one involves suffering, one doesn't. And um, reaching that that shift over for me, it was, you know, it's a lot less work, but it starts when you're young. And the final thing that I do with kids is tell me a win today, you know, which is something that you did uh, that you worked on that you achieved, right? So you can celebrate a success. You can find some things you're grateful for. And as they get older, you tell them, find one thing you can, that you'd be grateful for that someone else got so they can learn community mindedness. And that happens around age 10. You start doing that. It's very hard for them to think of that. They're like, I'm grateful that I did something for something. No, no. You're like, what did they get that they wanted? And it's really hard because we're not wired that. We're wired to be selfish little monkeys when selfish. we're kids. Yes. Yeah. And, but that kind of stuff, man, that's the work. When you're a parent of young kids, your meditation comes from watching what your kids do and not losing it, <laughs> right? <coughs> so it's, it's powerful, but <coughs> give me a sec. Take your time. I've been talking for like six hours straight. It's book launch time. Uh, so um, that's the work. Um, even just five minutes of breathing, uh, breathing meditation stuff is really good. I would say the best book out there is James Nestor's. Um, his book is called Breathe. It's a, it's a really good book. It just came out and that describes some of the breathing exercises you can do. Uh, but that's probably the fastest way or heart rate variability training where you clip a little thing to your ear. Those are just about getting out of fight or flight mode quickly because you don't have time to meditate, you know, for an hour a day when you've got kids that they need that hour a day from you. It's your, it's your job to show up and it's your job to also be in a mental state to show up and it's hard to do. Yeah. 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 I feel so much better about myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could change that if you want. Okay. <laughs> I want to, I want to read, breathe. I want to read your book. I want to reach out to James, get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's a he's a fascinating guy. He spent you know ten plus years learning all these different breathing techniques and just changing his whole biology from it. And the whole idea behind biohacking is that you could spend all day every day doing things to be better, but you don't have time because you have stuff you want to do in the world. So what practices give you the most energy back? You invest the least amount of energy and then time and you get the most energy back. So you measure your ROI, how much do you invest is energy, not money and not time. And it's, do you, do you feel amazing? Because if you have tons of energy, even if you don't have time, you can make time. You can make more money and buy time. But if you're low in energy, who cares if you have time? You just go to sleep. It doesn't matter. So energy is the currency. And energy is also what it takes to put yourself to a new level of personal development, to get over anxiety, to deal with addiction, to do all the things like that. And the reason I, you know, my work has become real popular is Bulletproof Coffee kind of gives you a lot of energy. And it does it via several different mechanisms um, that some of which we didn't even know about when I figured it out. Kyle, you have the worst camera ever. Kyle. <laughs> No, Gosh, that's Kyle's aura. <laughs> Kyle, it's Kyle's aura was just like, wah, 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 super dad, super, super, super dad. I got three kids and I still meditate. <laughs> Do you remember Pigpen on Peanuts? No. You ever see that cartoon? Like it's an old, old cartoon, like hand-drawn cartoon. And there's this one character named Pigpen. And every time he'd walk in, there was like this cloud around him of like, you know, dirt and like fleas and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I'm kind of reminded that, that this could be... <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> that's good well, i love like, to go back i love what you, you said about like failure embracing failure and i'm um, not gonna lie the first the thing that got me into self-improvement is actually reading neil strauss the game and one of the techniques he, he talks about is like going up to girls and being like i'm jeremy the green-haired martian what's your favorite flavored bowling ball <laughs> yep um <laughs> you know Neil Strauss is, uh, he's a friend and I helped him name um, his, uh, his podcast series uh, to live and die in LA and just what a growth and a human being. I mean, he was kind of a dirtbag if you read the game. Like, this first, guy yes. is a bad person. Yeah, you talk to him today and you read The Truth, the book that came after that. Have you read it? No. Dude, you got to read it. He's like, guess what guys? I became good at picking up girls but I sucked at relationships. So I had to spend the next years learning how to actually be successful in a relationship. And I was, a, basically I was wrong. And talk about a really just, just vulnerable, amazing book. But uh, that, that really earned my respect. So that's, that's something you gotta read. If you read the game, you gotta read the, the truth because the game is getting over this fear. And we've all had that fear of asking a girl out uh, or for you know, a woman asking a guy out. And it's a real fear. But the reality is like, if you walk up and you're like, hey, you like tacos? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, I like tacos. Like, great, right? But if, if they're like, no, I don't like tacos. Dude, if you're a taco, they just don't like tacos. It's okay, right? To find someone who likes enchiladas. It, it's, it's just meaningless whether someone likes you or not. But to us, it triggers. I won't get some, which is three times more energy for the survival of the species. I am going to die because I'm not going to get to reproduce right now. Okay. And then, oh wait, but if they don't love me, no one loves me and then no one will take care of me and then I'll die. And there's your first F word right there. And probably no one will give me a sandwich along the way. There's your, your second F word. But like, <laughs> that, that's the way our stupid operating system works. But here's the deal. It keeps skunks alive. It keeps like a cactus alive. It keeps everything alive, that kind of behavior. Right, but it just causes pain for us, and which is why you have to recognize it for what it is. It's a separate operating system inside of you to keep your meat alive and nothing more. And if someone says they don't like tacos, they're like, great, like next, right? But to get to that point, you have to ask a few of them and social anxiety. Just go and make an ass of yourself a few times. Oh yeah, that's literally. I do this thing. I have a routine. I run. I go. I run down the street every morning. I run down the street, and then at the end of the block, I just dance like the most ridiculous goofball in the world. And I like love it. Feel that feeling of like people are judging me, thinking I'm crazy, and I just keep going, and then it goes away, and I'm like, I don't give away. I don't give a nap. <laughs> I I interviewed a guy like four years ago on my show about rejection therapy. I'm dude. Was it me? Uh, I'm just wondering, did you write a book about it? I could have. No, I could write a book <laughs> no. on it. Like, that's what I do. I, like, this works. is a guy who went, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. I mean, I've interviewed almost a thousand people. So, you know, sorry about one. that. <laughs> so. um, but what he, um, what he did is for every day for 30 days, he, he's oh. like, I'm going to ask for stupid stuff until I hear a no. Uh, yes, I know you're talking about. I had a phone call with him. It was great. Yeah, I can't remember his, like, his stories. He's like, "Can I get a burger refill?" They're like, Zha, "Yes." He's Zha Zhang. Zha Zhang. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yep. And, and 
what a brilliant strategy because it's like, oh, um, and he gets one. He's like, I can't get people to say no to me. Like, what's going on? And, and you know, can I have donuts in the Olympic, the Olympic ring? Rings, okay. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. And it was, it's so good though, because eventually like when anyone can say no to you and it's not about you, now you can be the world's best salesperson. You can actually ask people out on dates, right? You can go to the car dealer and be like, I'd like to pay $5,000 less than you want for the car. And if they're like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, what's wrong with you? Like, there's no pain. <laughs> Like, I, I remember I went once, I, I pulled into a BMW dealer in Silicon Valley. I'm driving my BMW 540 and I'm whatever, 29 or something. And I pull in and I want to buy a BMW station wagon, right? Um, for, um, for my wife at the time. And the guy's like, oh, we have these and they're like $60,000. I'm like, that's funny. Cause I have like the newspaper. We saw newspapers back then. I'm like, and it shows here that there's four of these in the area for $36,000 and you want 60. I'm like, granted, your, your deal, I'll pay you 40 for any of these, but like, I'm not paying more than that because that would be stupid, right? And here's boss, he's like, well, get that newspaper away from me. You got to convince him of all this stuff. And I'm just like, no. And finally he goes, I didn't think you were BMW material. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I drove across the street, I bought a Mercedes and I drove it back and I'm like, fuck you. And I left, right? Now I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say fuck you because that would be rude. And I actually don't have that vibe anymore. But the point was I could say, no, I could ask for what I wanted and it didn't cause me pain, right? It was just like, you don't want to do it. You want to do it. And it's so clean. And that means you have boundaries. It means you won't be in codependent relationships. It means you won't be reactive, but it's because you have to feel safe hearing a no. And then you have to feel safe saying no to yourself. And the conversation that I would think most people have just based on that data, that 15% I talked about before is if you're saying today, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat anything sugary or I'm going to fast today, whatever. And someone comes and they put a plate of cookies in a meeting and you hear a conversation and it goes like this cookie says, eat me. And you say, no. He says, eat me. And you say, no. Because he says, eat me. No. And pretty soon it's like yelling you, eat me. No. Eat me. No. Right. And then, now Kyle, do I sound like a two-year-old? Yeah. He has a two-year-old. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, ah, they just get more and more and more and more. Right. And eventually you go, fine, I'll just eat half. And then you're like, why am I such a weakling? Well, the, the two-year-old knows that that works sometimes too. And then you're like, okay, fine. You can have some. Just like, shut up already. Right. Please. Like, I need my peace. <laughs> And it's that voice in our head that's there. But when you learn how to say no, you can learn how to say no to yourself too. And it actually gives you like spiritual power. And that's why I think fasting, it can just be for health and having more energy. But there's also a, a spiritual fast that you, you can do where you're like, I'm going to sit down and do the work. And for the first time, like I've written a bunch of books. And I realize I've been kind of a flake where you spend thousands of hours writing this detailed book and then you put it out there. You're like, all right, read the book. It's got what you need. And then people are like, well, I read it, but, 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 and it was, I haven't been teaching him. So for, for this book, for the first time, I'm actually teaching people the book. Like you buy the book, you send me your receipt at fastestway.com. And I spent a couple of weeks walking you through the book, walking you through the practices in the book, including a two day spiritual fast. You can fast for 24 or 48 hours, but you do it in a community. So you get that support from other people we talked about, but I'm actually teaching you like, here's how to do it so that you have the power to say no to the eat the cookie voice in your head. And I think that's one of the most important ways, you know, saying no when, you know, you know, you shouldn't go on the date <laughs> when, you know, you know, you shouldn't do whatever it is you're about to do. No is a valuable word. That's powerful. Yeah. Just, just a touch back. Like Zha Zhang, I, I saw his TEDx and I'm like, whoa, I want to try something like yeah. this. So I was just doing rejection after rejection. And I told Kyle, he did the, he did the coffee challenge. That's where you go to the coffee shop and ask for a discount. Um, and then the next part, the next part in my, my rejection challenge was to uh, email Zha Zhang to have a phone conversation. And he, he answered, we had a phone conversation for an hour. Did you tell him that it was a test to see if he'd say no? I did. <laughs> I totally said it was rejection <laughs> yeah, therapy. I was, not, I was not expecting you to respond. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But yeah. Neil, Neil Strauss, he taught me like, if you really want something on, on game, he's like, if you really, if you really want someone, you need to be willing to lose them. Yep. It's totally true. The walk away strategy works so well in business and in everything else. And you also have to be comfortable walking away. Right. And then that's what it comes down to. And when it comes to that other personal development stuff that, that's inside, just that's equanimity It's like, I'm okay either way. Economist. Right. And if you decide you're going to die without whatever it is you want, you're just going to suffer, but you probably won't die. Hmm. So to conclude this amazing interview, I'm going to ask you if you had one message for the world, what would that message be? 
You know, what I, what I wish I would have known when I was younger is exactly this message. And it's that people want to help. And you don't see that if you look at, at the media. Um, you know, you don't see it if you watch the news. But the vast majority of people out there want to help you. And they will if you just ask. And so you live in that world. You just don't see that you live in that world unless you consciously pay attention to it. Um, I just did a, a post on Instagram actually today when we're recording this. And I just wrote, be very afraid. It was the entire post. I saw that. Oh, you saw that? Okay. And you know what happened? It went to the very top of huge numbers of people's feeds. I'm like, guys, this is, and I wrote in there, this is a test to see if the algorithm pushes this to the top of your feed. And it did. So it's totally, there's like hundreds of people saying, oh my God, I haven't seen a post from yours in in two weeks. And this was at the top of my feed. So what's going (laughs) on is we have robot overlords pushing our first and most powerful F Lord over or F word over and over and over. And they're doing that. And the reality is that people want to help you. That's the reality. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Amazing. Well, thank you very much for coming on to our podcast. You're welcome. It's been a lot of fun. Um, We definitely um, want to check out your book and I'll send you a receipt. (laughs) Nice. You're not getting the challenge if you don't. It's fastthisway.com. Book's called Fastest Way. You can get it anywhere you like to get it. It's worth your time. And every book I write, in fact, I'm going to steal an extra minute of your show. Do it. I've had 200 million downloads of Bulletproof Radio, and I don't know how many hours spent reading the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies of books. But if I put out shows that just wasted people's time, 200 million hours is many, many human lifetimes. So either I'm a mass murderer, if I don't put out a show that returns at least the time that you spent into it, or, and then some, uh, or I'm doing something good because people are getting more value out of that time than not. So if I'm going to publish a book, I promise you it's worth more than the eight hours it's going to take you to read it or listen to it. Otherwise, I'm not going to publish it because I don't want to be a mass murderer. That's bad. <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. On that incredibly uplifting mass murder note, guys, uh, thanks for a great interview and uh, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs>